Chapter Fourteen of the History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume Three, by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fourteen shows that Miss Betsy, whenever she pleased to exert herself, had it in her power to be discreet, even on occasions the most tempting to her humour and inclination. Soon after Miss Betsy had sent away what she thought would be a final answer to Sir Frederick, her brother Frank came in. She immediately showed him the letter she had received that morning, and related to him in what manner she had behaved concerning it, with which he was extremely pleased, and said more tender things to her than any she had heard from him since he came to town. "'This is a way of acting, my dear sister,' said he, "'which, if you persevere in, will infallibly gain you the esteem of all who know you. For while you encourage the addresses of every idle fop, believe me, you will render yourself cheap, and lose all your merit with the sensible part of mankind. If she was not quite of his opinion in this point, she offered no arguments in opposition to the remark he had made, and assured him, as she had done once before, that she would never give any man the least grounds to hope she approved his pretensions, till she had first received the sanction of both his and her brother Thoughtless's approbation. He then told her, that they had received intelligence that the india ship which they heard was to bring mr edward goodman was safely arrived in the downs so that in all likelihood that gentleman would be in london in two or three days at farthest which i am very glad of said he for though i believe the lawyer a very honest diligent man as any can be of his profession the presence of the heir will give a life to the cause and may bring things to a more speedy issue he also told her that a gentleman of his brother's acquaintance had the day before received a letter from Sir Ralph Trusty, intimating that he should be obliged by the death of Mr. Goodman, there being affairs of consequence between them, to come to town much sooner than he had intended, and that he should bring his lady with him. And then, my dear sister, said he, you will be happy for a time at least, in the conversation and advice of one, who I am certain in her good wishes for you, deserves to be looked upon by you as a second mother. He was going on in some farther commendations of that worthy lady, when Miss Betsy's man came to the dining-room door, and told her that Mr. Munden was below in the parlour, and would wait on her if she was at leisure. Mr. Francis, perceiving she was hesitating what answer to make, cried hastily, "'Pray, sister, admit him. This is lucky. Now I shall see how much he excels Mr. Trueworth in person and parts.' I never told you, answered she, that he did so in either, but perhaps he may in his good opinion and esteem for me. However, I think you promise never to mention true worth again to me. I wish you would keep your word. Well, I have done, said he. Do not keep the gentleman waiting, on which she bade the footman desire Mr. Munden to walk up. That gentleman was a good deal disconcerted in his mind, concerning the little progress his courtship had made with Miss Betsy. He had followed her for a considerable time, been at great expense in treating and making presents to her. He has studied her humour, and done everything in his power to please her, yet thought himself as far from the completion of his wishes as when he began his addresses to her. He had not for several days had an opportunity of speaking one word to her in private. She was either abroad when he came, or so engaged in company, that his presence served only to fill a vacant seat in her dining-room. He therefore determined 
to know what fate he was to expect from her as he had not been told anybody was now with her and had never seen mr francis before he was a little startled on his coming into the room to find a young gay gentleman seated very near her and lolling his arm in a careless posture over the back of the chair in which she was sitting on his entrance they both rose to receive him with a great deal of politeness which he returned in the same manner but added to the first compliments that he hoped he had not been guilty of no intrusion not at all sir replied the brother of miss betsy i was only talking to my sister on some family affairs which we may resume at any time when no more agreeable subjects of entertainment fall in our way yes mr munden said miss betsy this is that brother whose return to town you so often heard me wish for and this brother continued she turning to mr francis is a gentleman who sometimes does me the honour of calling upon me and whose visits to me i believe you will not disapprove she had no sooner ended these words than the two gentlemen mutually advanced embraced and said they should be proud of each other's acquaintance after which they entered into a conversation sprightly enough for the time it lasted which was not long for mr francis looking on his watch said he was extremely mortified to leave such good company but business of a very urgent nature called him to a different place at that hour as much as mr munden was pleased to find himself so obligingly introduced by his mistress to the acquaintance of her brother he was equally glad to be rid of him at this juncture when he came prepared to press her so home to an eclaircissement as should deprive her of all possibility of keeping himself any longer in suspense it was in vain for her now to have recourse to any of those evasions by which she had hitherto put him off and she found herself under a necessity either of entirely discarding him or giving him some kind of assurance that the continuance of his pretensions would not be in vain never had she been so plunged before never had any of her lovers insisted in such plain terms on her declaring herself and she was compelled as it were to tell him since he was so impatient for the definition of his fate it was from her brothers he must receive it for she was resolved nay had solemnly promised to enter into no engagement without their knowledge and approbation but suppose said he i should be so happy as to obtain their consent may i then assure myself you will be mine would you wish me to hate you cried she somewhat peevishly hate me answered he no madam it is your love i would purchase almost at the expense of life persecute me then no more said she to give you promises or assurances which would only make me see you with confusion and think of you with regret it is sufficient i esteem you and listen to the professions of your love let that content you and leave to myself the grant of more yet madam resumed he and was going on but was interrupted by the maid who came hastily into the room and said madam here is miss mabel she had no sooner spoke these words than the lady she mentioned followed her into the room miss betsy was never more glad to see her than now when her presence afforded her so reasonable a relief my dear miss mabel said she this is kind indeed when i already owe you two visits i believe you owe me more answered she with a smile but i did not come to reproach you 
nor can this indeed be justly called a visit since it is only a mere matter of business brings me hither at this time mr munden on this thought proper to take his leave but in doing so said to miss betsy with a very grave air i hope madam you will have the goodness to consider seriously on what we have been talking of i will do myself the honour to wait upon your brothers to-morrow and afterwards on yourself with these words he withdrew without staying for any answer i know not said miss mabel after he was gone whether what i have to say to you will be of sufficient moment to excuse me for depriving you of your company since i only call to tell you that we are eased of our little pensioner at denham by the father's unexpectedly coming to claim his own miss betsy replied that she guessed as much for she had heard those people had been at her lodgings when she was not at home and had said somewhat of their business to her servant i am also to pay you resumed the other my quota of the last month's nursing in speaking these words she took out of her pocket the little sum she stood indebted for and laid it on the table though miss betsy had the most perfect regard and good wishes for miss mabel and miss mabel the same for miss betsy yet neither of them was in the secrets of the other they visited but seldom and when they did talked only on indifferent affairs in fine though they both loved the amiable qualities each found in the other yet the wide contrariety between their dispositions occasioned a coolness in their behaviour which their hearts were far from feeling miss mabel stayed but a very few minutes after having dispatched the business she came upon nor was miss betsy at all troubled at her departure being at present what she very rarely was in a humour rather to be alone than in any company whatsoever she no sooner was at liberty than she began to reflect on the transactions of that morning she had done two things which seemed pretty extraordinary to her she had entirely dismissed one lover a piece of resolution she did not a little value herself upon but then she was vexed at the too great encouragement as she thought it which she had given to another what shall i do with this munden said she to herself if my brothers should take it into their heads to approve of his pretensions i shall be as much teased on his account as i was on that of mr trueworth's i have no aversion indeed to the man but i am equally as far from having any love for him there is nothing in his person or behaviour that might make a woman ashamed of being his wife yet i can see nothing so extraordinary in him as to induce me to become so why then continued she did i not tell him at once i would not have him and that if he was weary of paying his respects to me he might carry them where they would be more kindly received it was a very silly thing in me to send him to my brothers they are in such haste to get me out of the way of what they call temptation that i believe they would marry me to any man that was of a good family and had an estate if i must needs have a husband to please them i had better have taken true worth i am sure there is no comparison between the men but it is too late to think of that now for it is very plain both by his behaviour to me when last i saw him and by what he said to my brother frank that he has given over all intentions on that score she was in the midst of these cogitations when a servant belonging to the ladies whom she visited at st james's came and presented her with a letter containing these lines to miss betsy thoughtless dear creature my sister and self 
had an invitation to a party of pleasure where there will be the best company the best music and the best entertainment in the world but my father having unluckily forced her to pass some days with an old aunt who lies dangerously sick at hampstead i know nobody can so well supply her vacant place as your agreeable self therefore if you are not already too deeply engaged this evening would beg the favour of you to share with me in the proposed diversion we shall have two young gentlemen of rank for our conductors and protectors but i flatter myself you will make no scruple to go anywhere with her who is with the most perfect amity dear miss betsy your most humble and most obedient servant a airish p s let me know whether i can be so happy as to have you with me and if so i will call on you about five and drink tea for we shall not go to the assembly till eight this proposal put miss betsy out of all her serious reflections and she returned for answer to the lady that she would not fail to be at home and ready to attend her at the appointed hour accordingly as soon as ever dinner was over she went to dress and thought of nothing but how to make as brilliant a figure as any she could meet with at the assembly miss airish came somewhat before the hour she had mentioned in her letter accompanied by two rakes of quality whom miss betsy had seen two or three times before with her and her sister and by one of whom she had once been treated with some familiarities which had made her ever since very cautious of giving him any opportunity to attempt the like as much therefore as she had pleased herself with the idea of this evening's pleasures she no sooner saw who were to be their conductors than she resolved not to put herself into their powers yet knew not how without affronting miss airish to avoid complying with the promises she had made of accompanying her they all came singing and romping into the room but the perplexity of miss betsy's mind made her receive them with a very serious air the men accosted her with a freedom conformable enough to their own characters but not very agreeable to one of hers and she rebuffed with a good deal of contempt him with whom she had most reason to be offended lord how grave you look said miss airish observing her countenance prithee my dear creature put on a more cheerful aspect this is to be a night of all spirit all mirth all gaiety i am sorry i cannot be partaker of it said miss betsy who by this time had contrived an excuse lord what do you mean not partaker of it cried miss airish hastily i'm sure you would not offer to disappoint us not willingly replied miss betsy but i was just going to send to let you know i have received a message from my elder brother to come to his house in order to meet some persons there on very extraordinary business but i hope added she that my not going will be no hindrance to the diversion you propose it would have been none madam said one of the gallants if this assembly were like others but we are only a select company of gay young fellows who resolve to try how far nature may be exhilarated by regaling every sense at once to prevent all quarrels every man is to bring a lady with him who is to be his partner in singing dancing playing or whatever they two shall agree upon we two continued he pitched upon the two miss airishes but one of them being gone another way we thought of you 
otherwise we could have found ladies who would have obliged us very likely replied miss betsy and i suppose it may not yet be too late to seek them but i had rather have you than all the world cried he that miss betsy was most apprehensive of you know i have always shown a particular tendre for you therefore prithee continued he catching her in his arms and eagerly kissing her my dear girl send some excuse to your brother and let us have you with us unhand me my lord cried she struggling to get loose what you ask is impossible for i neither can nor will go the resolution with which she spoke these words and the anger which at the same time sparkled in her eyes made them see it would be but lost labour to endeavour to persuade her they looked one at another and were confounded what to do till miss airish vexed to the very heart at miss betsy's behaviour hit upon an expedient to solve up the matter well said she since miss betsy cannot go i will introduce your lordship to a young lady who i am sure will not refuse us besides i know she is at home for i saw her looking out of her chamber window as we came by but we must go directly that she may have time to dress on this they both cried with all their hearts and one of them taking her hand skipped downstairs with her in the same wild way they came up the other followed only turning his head towards miss betsy cried with a malicious sneer how unregarded now that piece of beauty stands miss betsy though sufficiently piqued was very glad to get rid of them and the more so that by their happening to call on her instead of her meeting them at miss airish's apartment she had the better opportunity of excusing herself from going where they desired End of chapter fourteen